We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You want to get back to uh, some quarterback talk and some rapid fire? I do. I do. I, I always the rapid fire is my favorite segment because we get an all encompassing, you know, finish after being very uh, centric, Notre Dame centric. So it's 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 always fun. So, yes. Long answer. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm throwing an audible at you with the first question. If this was professional football in your Notre Dame. Would you have taken the trade? Would you have traded Tyler Buckner to get Sam Hartman for one year? Hmm. Yes, I would. And I think a, a good overall analogy or comparison would be what the Jets just did with Aaron Rodgers. Was thinking the same thing myself. And do you maybe lose a couple assets here and there? Sure. Are you rolling the dice? Sure. But the good thing about Hartman compared to Rodgers is he's younger, right? Like Aaron Rodgers, there's there's maybe concerns that, you know, it, it, how much does he have left in the tank? This is Sam Hartman in his prime. This is Sam Hartman doing everything he can to get to the NFL. So, I mean, it's like a win-win on both sides. You have a quarterback who has proven experience, is a proven gunslinger with the ball, and has every aspiration to perform and succeed because, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, yes, it's about the team win, but it's also about Sam Hartman getting to the NFL. So I have no doubts that he's going to be putting on his best performance the entirety of the season. It's funny that you said you you use the analogy with Aaron Rodgers because the reason this question got on late is because I was sitting watching, I don't know if it was NFL Network or NFL Live or what it was, but the, of course they started talking about Aaron Rodgers and trading the draft picks to get Aaron Rodgers, you know, is it worth the price to get maybe one year out of Aaron Rodgers? And, and that's what made me think of this because you're going to get one year out of Sam Hartman, just like the Jets are maybe going to get one year out of Rodgers. They could still get more, but they're really only guaranteed one considering he's 39 and he was flirting with retirement before this whole trade thing happened. I mean, he's flirted with retirement for the last couple of years, but still. So that's what what made me. Think of this, and it is absolutely worth the price because if you have the chance, whether you're the New York Jets or Notre Dame or any other team, to put yourself 
into playoff contention to be a true contender, then it is absolutely worth it to make this kind of deal. Because I think somebody brought up earlier, and I hadn't really even thought about it in this context, like, you know, like, you're done, if you're Marcus Freeman, you're not guaranteed anything. Next year is not guaranteed. You know, just look at any playoff team in any sport from year to year. You know, like, you are not guaranteed the same kind of success that you just had from one year to the next. And when college football rosters are constantly turning over, if you think that you can put yourself in the position to be in the playoff and to be a true championship contender by adding the most experienced quarterback in college football, I absolutely think it is worth that trade-off. It, you know, again, it stinks that you lose a talent and a you know a good player and a good kid and all that stuff like Tyler Buckner, but I think it is definitely worth that trade-off to to go out and get a guy like Sam Hartman because I I do think that it puts them in the best possible position to be a college football playoff contender this season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Same. And now it is my turn to throw you a off script question. I don't know okay. if you and Vince talked about this yesterday. I hope not. All right. It is blank that Max Scherzer was ejected from a game. <laughs> We're going straight to baseball. We can't for, say. No, for sticky but, stuff after the umps made him use rubbing alcohol and rubbing alcohol with rosin is proven to be sticky. I couldn't wait to get this one off my chest. I, you know what? I was watching that game when it happened. They made him switch gloves. You know, he went into the clubhouse, got a new glove, came back out. They checked it. And then they showed him in the dugout, like what he was doing that, you know, that the the pitch, whatever the, the you know, the pitch thing is that they're allowed to use the electronic yeah. thing. Like they showed him taping you know, the, the pitch thing in his glove hand and all that stuff. And it looked like maybe that's where the residue came from. It obviously came from something else. Look, I don't know. <laughs> like 
it's not like this guy doesn't have a history of it. Now, you should have saved the baseball question for a little <laughs> bit deeper in rapid fire, but obviously you have an answer to this. So what do you think? I, I just think overall it, it's just the underlying issue I have with baseball right now, and it's the consistent need for umpires to feel like they have to have some sort of interjection within the game. And at first I wasn't believing, you know, Scherzer. And then you go into the, you know, on Sunday night baseball, when the, when they're going through the tutorial of, you know, what happens when you mix rosin with rubbing alcohol and like the guy can't even open up his fingers without them, you know, sticking together. So again, this is a self-inflicted wound by, by the umpire crew. And then of course Scherzer gets tossed out for doing what he said to do. So to me, that's what I was just getting at. I'm just tired of the umpires feeling the need to constantly interject themselves yeah, and have some sort of underlying role in the game. Your role is just to call balls and strikes, fair or foul, safe or not safe. And I just think that too often that these guys want to be, you know, they, they want their impact to be felt, it, it seems like. Right. All right, back to some Notre Dame football now. Um, Greg says, quarterback depth is only a weakness that's perceived on the outside by armchair quarterbacks. Last year, they had an extremely limited pine at QB2. This year, Notre Dame has extremely talented QB2 and 3. And I wanted to piggyback this. I guess it's actually uh, the same guy. Greg says, do y'all think Gino has better odds of improving the quarterback depth than Tommy Reese? Yeah, I, I, I here's what I would say. If you looking at last year and you you say, okay, do we take Drew Pine, no Tyler Buckner, and Steve Angeli as the backup, or do you take Sam Hartman, no Tyler Buckner, and Steve Angeli as the backup? Which one are you swapping for? You're gonna take this one. I mean, this is basically the same situation as last year, but you have a way better upgrade at QB one. So I, I would take the trade hundred percent of the time. And I do think that Gino is going to be better at developing quarterbacks because that is what his specific role is. Tommy Reese's role was be the offensive coordinator, be the, you know, the, the quarterback developer, the wide receiver developer, you know, all get, get the whole offense to run together. Well, this year they have one guy solely focused on, you know, running the offense and another guy solely focused on the development of quarterbacks and a guy who has a proven track rec record um, with developing quarterbacks. So I think that is, Definitely going to be uh, better for Gino to develop quarterbacks in the long term. I think so as well. I mean, look what he did with Desmond Ritter. It worked out pretty well there at Cincinnati, you know, and like granted that is one guy, but you know, that, that group got him to the college football playoff They're You know, they were the first, obviously non power five team to, to make it into the playoff. And I completely agree with everything that you're saying because of the fact that this is a guy who's going to work solely with the quarterbacks and he's going to go out and, you know, be able to recruit him as well. I, I'm, I'm really confident in what he's going to be able to, to do with this group. And just look at what you've got coming in next when you've already got Kenny Minchie here and you've got CJ Carr coming in, you know, I think they're going to continue to recruit the position. Well, you know, the depth takes a hit this year when you lose a guy like Tyler Buckner, it's going to look different now, but you know, again, it's it's on from right now. Like the challenge now for, you know, Gaduli and Angeli and Minchi is to wage that battle for QB2 and to have one of them ready to be one snap away once the season starts. But as I saw somebody bring up also, I mean, the schedule sets up 
where if if Hartman does his job and everyone does their job in those first couple weeks of the season, you should be able to get whoever the number two quarterback is some reps early on in the season. You know, how meaningful, you don't know, but at least get them reps out there. And I think that that can be important as well. Do you agree? I do. And, and it was, again, kind of going back to, you know, what I was saying a little bit ago is I think at this point you kind of become, you know, you know what Steve Angeli is about. And I think that it, the, the focus should be on if Buckner's leaving, we know Hartman's our guy and we know, you know, we're going to need Hartman and, and obviously the big, big time leverage games. I think there needs to be something said for developing Minchie and getting him out there as much as possible. And, you know, that, that assumes that they take care of business, how they're supposed to and games that they're supposed to. So, I would be all aboard of seeing someone like Menchie, you know, kind of stepping into that quarterback two role and getting a lot of attention at the quarterback two role. Double, uh, double, double dip here from Roger Dodger. He says, if Hartman can win more than nine games, then it's totally worth it. And then he follows that up with, I should say, regular season wins. You think Tyler Buckner could have gone 10 and two. Do you think Buckner could have gone 10 and two? I think that there's a chance, but you know, again, it's it's the big three, right? Like, could he could he win at least one of those three games? Ohio State, Clemson. Well, USC, that assumes that he doesn't make lose, any mistakes, and then to yeah, cost not lose any game of the other games. Right, right, exactly. I don't think that Tyler Buckner could have gone ten and two. I, I okay, I I think he could have, um, but I think the chances are like twenty five percent. And I think I th nine and three would be a more realistic, like 75% chance. Yeah, I would. I think I'm probably around there. I think that he could have, but I think a lot of things would have to go right. Like almost everything would have to go right. There's much with Sam Hartman. There's a much greater margin for error with, with the level of quarterback that you're going to have, you know, level of quarterback play you're going to have compared to Tyler Buckner. Again, that's why they went out and got, Sam Hartman. So I think Buckner could have, but the odds are much greater that Sam Hartman will than right. Buckner could have, I think. Yeah. Like what, what were the odds that you gave again? Like 75% for nine and three and then like 25% for 10 and two. Yeah. I would, I think that I would agree with that. So with Buckner entering the portal today, the Irish, as we mentioned, earlier have had four players go in the portal in the last week started with Caleb Johnson then Lorenzo Styles then Prince Kali and now of course Tyler Buckner so scale of one to ten what is your concern level right now uh my concern overall is is about a three um and again it, it it's you never want to see you know top players leave you know first and foremost but I think you know as I've kind of hinted at before you know, the only one that kind of stings more than any of the others is Tyler Buckner. And it's just for the fact that you want, you know, solid quarterback depth, especially after, you know, what happened last season and, and you know, having to stick out with Pine and, and, and et cetera. But, you know, Prince Kali and, and Lorenzo Styles, it's just they weren't proven fits. And there's a lot of talent behind them that's younger and more hungrier and eager. And so I don't find that overall as something to be concerning. I think it's actually very positive that we're seeing again I, I i alluded to it as kind of like the trimming of the fat like i think marcus freeman is ultimately getting in here his level of players 
across the board at every position and whether or not that makes you feel uncomfortable or not, you know, that's, that's on you. And, and, and for people like styles and Kali, their, their chances ultimately kind of pass them for, for guys who probably want to be a starter right now. So I don't blame them for going out and probably finding an opportunity like Kali and styles are both going to go somewhere where they're going to play a good percentage this year, you know, and that wasn't going to happen at Notre Dame. So yeah. it would be different if we're talking about, you know, Logan Diggs decided to transfer or Benjamin, Benjamin Morrison decided to transfer or, you know, maybe Nolan Ziegler decided to transfer like guys who were showing a ton of promise and already getting a lot of playing time. Yeah. Guys who were knocking on the door or already there, that would be a lot more distressing than, than what ha now again, like throwing Buckner into the mix does change it a little bit. So, you know, I put it maybe at like a two and a half or a three, it is still fairly low because you know, the, 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 the other guys were guys who were lower on the depth chart, having a harder time rise up the depth chart and make a case for playing time. Again, I, I understand what Buckner is doing. He has to look out for himself. You know, it stinks for Notre Dame, but if he has the chance to go and be a starter versus being a guy who comes in in some package situations or whatever behind Sam Hartman this year, that's in his best interest. And again, he's going into his junior year, which means he's draft eligible a year from now. And whether or not he realistically turns into a quarterback who can or will be drafted a year from now. It's your that, best opportunity to get yeah. there. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, he has to start getting experience, and I understand that for him. Now, at the same time, Chi-Town asked, do Tyler, Styles, and Kali have no one looking out for them? Their NFL aspirations are 50-50 at best. A degree from Notre Dame is a guarantee. And that is very true, Chi-Town. But, you know, like, these were all highly rated recruits coming in. These weren't even, you know, like, three-star guys who, you know, have, you know, like over, you know, like outperformed their star rating and that kind of stuff. These were guys who all came in and who expected that they were going to see the field, I think, in a pretty, pretty quick amount of time. And, you know, like that was the thing that Marcus Freeman talked about with Lorenzo Styles was the chance to get a Notre Dame degree is not going to be there for him now. And obviously for the for for both of these other guys as well, Kali and for Tyler Buckner, now it's not going to be there for them either because the fact that they're leaving before they get their degrees. It's a trade-off obviously that they're willing to make and and I just think that that uh guys who truly have the NFL aspirations, they they get blinded, you know, to to the bigger picture. And it's understandable because they want to go out there and they want to be NFL football players. So I understand it, but you still make a good point because that degree is always going to be there if you have it and the connections that you have from Notre Dame as well, for that matter. Right. And I, I think for some, for maybe some players with lesser kind of promise or, you know, ranking coming out of high school, it's a different story, but I mean, these guys were basically, you know, told out of high school how good they were and they got recruited by lots of people. And when they're not playing, I mean, that's the overall goal. Like the, the window of being an athlete oftentimes closes a, a lot faster um, than, than what you realize. And these guys are just trying to get in and soak up every ounce of opportunity um, that they have. And so whether or not 
they get the Notre Dame degree, which is a very valid point because that would be something that weighed on my decision. You know, if I were in the same shoes, I just think it's ultimately what you've been talking about. These guys know that there is still a chance at the NFL and they're going to do everything they can to soak up that opportunity, you know, before their time is up. And, and there's right. nothing to say that they don't, you know, th they've started a, a lineage of credits at Notre Dame. There's nothing to say that they don't, you know, come back and ultimately maybe finish up even if the football window closes for them. Sure. And, you know, like Stanford would make a lot of sense for a guy like Buckner, you know, because of the fact that you have similar academics and all that kind of stuff. You get to play in the Pac-12 and and everything else. I want to I wanna get Corey's question in here for you, Jess, because he says your hat is fire. Can't find a good <laughs> Notre Dame hat like that in Arizona or even online. I just shopped for some. And now you said those were limited edition hats. Is that right? Yeah, and I saw there was a few other people kind of talking about hats in the chat. Um, I am your hat guru, first and foremost. <laughs> I have lots of hats. Um, I buy hats just about everywhere I go. I was in Atlanta this past weekend, picked up a Braves hat um, at Truist Park. That was really cool. Um, but, yeah, this is a 47 brand hat, and they released these only for Notre Dame, Alabama, and Michigan, um, 200 for each team. They were like kind of like the historic lineage uh, it was it was a certain, you know, line of hats. Um, but, yeah, I picked up one of these and this is the very first one of 200. So I uh, I felt pretty cool. This this hat did cost me around 100 bucks, though, for what it's worth. Wow. Holy <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, but uh, it is 47 brand. And Derek, I know you're just a hater because everyone tells me how great it is every time on this show. So I appreciate <laughs> all the support from everyone out there. Many others, many others like it. T. Roy, <laughs> T. Roy brought up a good point, you know, back to, you know, like when I was talking about the games at the start of the season, should have been able to get the backup, some quarterbacks, some meaningful reps against Marshall and Stanford last year too. I mean, very, very valid. But if you can't, <laughs> if you can't do it going into the season, Navy and uh, Tennessee State up front and, uh, you know, the Mac after that, then – they're going to be a lot bigger issues. Uh, but this is, about. I mean, he, so. he brings up something that I, I always hate getting into with Notre Dame is like they never perform against the bad teams quite how they're supposed to. And so it's like, you know, uh, if it's always one thing, to be like, yeah, you know, we should do this and or, or blow these guys out or, you know, th this is a good game for our, you know, backups. But it, it just seems to never happen. It always like comes down to maybe just like a 14 point game uh -huh. and they get that last touchdown towards the end or. You know, so to me, that's just something you can't bank on as much as you would like to see it happen for, you know, for the reasons of getting someone like maybe Menchie or Angeli important snaps, you know, for long term down the road. So shifting gears a little bit, still talking Notre Dame, but a, a little bit different topic. Marcus Freeman was asked about the possibility of ditching basically what's an intra-squad scrimmage, the blue gold game at the end of the spring and play an exhibition game against another team instead. And here's what Freeman had to say about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. To a chance to play another team, um, it would be good. You know, you're not going to – you still probably – it would still be similar to a spring. You're not going to show everything. You're not going to want to get your your the guys you're counting on um, that have experience probably injured. And so you're still probably going to, um, 
you know, hold back a couple guys, you know, but I think to play another opponent would be pretty cool. I, I'm logistics on that, and that's for Ron Paulus and Jack Swarbrick to figure it out. But it, it would be different, but it's no different than almost like an NFL preseason game. So do you buy or sell the idea of playing another team, play an exhibition game at the end of spring? I'm 100% buy on this because I believe that there's something to be said about going out and hitting someone else other than the same guys that you've seen for the same 15 practices um, throughout the spring. I just think competition-wise, you'd, you'd get a little bit more. I think you'd see a little bit elevated play, you know, guys playing with a little bit more passion, um, stuff like that throughout the game. And I remember when I was in school, there was, you know, there was another college within our, you know, city limits of good old Adrian, Michigan. And we always wanted to play them in a spring game, essentially, because just think of like what you could do if, you know, the two local colleges within that, a small city. That could city, have been a big seller. Yeah. Right. And then you're playing each other and we wanted to put it underneath the lights. And there was always, you know, like when we were in, this is just, you know, this situation for, for example, but you know, this, we'd always see these other guys out and about when we're, we're going, when we were going out to different clubs and stuff. And they would always, you know, there was always end up being jawing back and forth of just guys being like, oh, we would beat you or, you know, we'd beat them. So to me, it was always something that could have been a fun opportunity um, and, and really just kind of, you know, bring the, the the community out and have have a good time. Because I think that you again, you would see guys play just a little bit harder, a little bit more competitive, et cetera. If you're going against guys that you haven't been practicing against all spring. Here's I mean, here's a valid point. Derek says, sell, why risk injury in a game that doesn't matter versus a team that thinks it's the Super Bowl? And, you know, that very well could happen. You know, like I've seen charity softball games, you know, turn into, you know, the same kind of thing. You know, one side thinks they're playing in the World Series and the other team is just out there having fun. I, I think at the very least, if it's a controlled scrimmage, you know, like even if you're not playing like full rules game, you know, like, you see uh, in the NFL during training camp and stuff like that, you know, where they'll hold, you know, they'll 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 do different stuff and they'll hold the joint practices and stuff like that. I think it's worth it just to line up and hit somebody, you know, from another team that's not your own. You know, there, there's always going to be risk because it's football. But I do like I do like the idea of it. But, you know, again, maybe like I guess there could be a little bit more risk because of the fact that you would be bringing in someone who, you know, it means more to them than it means to you. Right. And like Marcus Freeman said, you're still going to keep it pretty vanilla and, you know, all those different kind of things. And you're going to hold out guys anyway, you know, who might already be injured and stuff like that. You're not going to play everybody in those kind of games. Yeah. Like Chi-Town said, you could play mostly the backups if you want. Like it could be an opportunity for the twos and threes to go out there and show what they can do because they already have their own closed door scrimmages anyway. You know, like they had the Jersey scrimmage a week before the blue gold game. And that, that game actually was, you know, ones versus ones and twos versus twos and, and that kind of stuff, you know, where, where they actually did, you know, line more guys up, you know, we didn't get to see any of it, but that's the way it rolls. So the NCAA is going to institute three rules changes to reduce the number of plays in college football games this season. They're going to run the clock after first downs with the exception of the last two minutes of each half. Teams are not going to be able to call consecutive timeouts and a penalty will carry over to the second or fourth quarter 
rather than playing an untimed down at the end of the first and third quarter. So in other words, if you have a penalty on the last play of the first quarter, you know, rather than play an untimed down, you carry the penalty over into the second quarter. So do you buy or sell these uh, changes, Jess? The idea, by the way, is to cut down on plays in the game. It's not like they want to cut down plays because they're going to be expanding the college football playoff and adding more games next year. So do you buy or sell it? I buy this and I buy it simply because the pace of game will go up. And that's my biggest, uh, you know, biggest uh, complaint. Sorry, complaint was slipping my mind, but biggest complaint with college is just the pace of play. Sometimes it's just really long, long and drawn out. And, you know, I know that, you know, not everyone's an NFL fan, but when you go to the NFL the next day and the game is just moving along, it's like, it's just brutal somehow how long some of these college games take sometimes. And so when you can speed it up, get, you know, get through it a little bit faster. And it's, it's not that I dis, you know, not enjoy what it's at now. I just wish that it could go just a little bit quicker. And I think that this is just a little bit of a boost um, that would help with that. Yeah, T Roy says sell, sell buy. So he doesn't like the clock running after first downs. He doesn't like uh, teams not being able to call consecutive timeouts, but he does like the penalty carrying over I, I think at a minimum you know the fact that the clock running after first downs I love it you know they're still going to stop once you get inside two minutes of each half they're going to stop the clock on first down so that you know that will will help out teams you know like two minute drill and that kind of stuff but I love the fact that we're not going to have stoppages after every first you know like they had initially proposed even after you know, like incompletions, you keep the clock running. And they didn't go for that. So I'm glad they didn't go for that. But I, I like the fact that they're doing this because, again, like now they're saying the ultimate goal is to cut down on plays. And I do believe it. I, I think I saw the average number of plays in a college football game is like 185. And it's like 25 more than an NFL game, for example. So if you're already playing a 12 game regular season, Obviously, you know, a lot of schools have the conference championship games. Then you got bowl games. And now you're adding more levels to the playoffs. You're essentially going to be eliminating about one game from the schedule over the course of, you know, a full schedule like that. So I do like it because if college football is going to continue and the schools are going to continue to stuff their money with billions of dollars from the expanded playoff, you can't ask the players to go out there, you know, and and play the equivalent of an extra game over that course of time when they're not making a true salary. Now, do we know that some of them make NIL? Of course we do. But, you know, it's not everyone is, you know, they're not out all out there getting full salary. So I, I like the fact that they're cutting it back like this by do, by doing this. It's a simple change. And I think it's going to be good for everybody by like just the. The first down thing. I think that that I think that it's that it's I think I think everyone's gonna like it when it's all said and done. Okay, so there's a proposal in the SEC to impose harsher penalties for field storming. The highest or the harshest proposal that they're looking at is taking away a home game from a team whose fans storm the field. So for example, Tennessee fans stormed the field after they beat Alabama last year. So 
if this proposal were to pass, Tennessee would have to give up its next home game against Alabama. So, like, they play every year. So, Alabama would end up with three consecutive home games in the series that they since they play every year. So, do you buy or sell this idea? Oh, I sell this idea. I think this is a ludicrous idea. And I know that with they, there were talks – you know, and, and prior about how to make this a punishment. But listen, the, the only reason that this is a concern is because schools are complaining that to replace a goalpost costs too much money. Well, you know what? If a, if a team is storming the field and you're taking down a goalpost, I'm sure that that game was probably sold out and you made a ton of money on concessions. It's just, you know, the, the excuse of that it, it costs money or whatever. And, you know, I'm just not for it. You know, it, it, to me, a, a part or a tradition of college football is when you beat another team that you're not supposed to, a huge upset, you storm the field, you celebrate, you tear everything down, and you have a good time. I think it should be – like I, I think schools should want something like this to happen because they're monumental wins in your program history. So, again, I, I just I, – I hate this idea overall. It is not surprising that it is – the schools like Alabama, it's basically the teams at the top of the conference. I think you know, like Alabama, LSU, you know, and a couple others. Like it's the better teams in the conference that have proposed this. They're going to have to like everyone in the conference is going to have to vote. I just can't imagine, you know, the the teams from the middle down voting for this for the very reason you're talking about. Like if you get Alabama or LSU coming into your place and you beat them, you want your fans to celebrate. Now, is there a risk? Of course, there's risk that, you know, some people can get hurt relatively, you know, like you never want to see anyone get hurt, but the percentages of people who have been seriously injured, you know, in this kind of stuff is relatively low. You know, you do, you do want to take into account. Yeah. And like, like, like Derek says, punching a female in the face an SEC tradition. And that happened in that Alabama, Tennessee game as well. You do want to make sure that the opposing team can get off the field safely. You know, that that is important. And maybe the way you set up, you know, your your field where your students, because it's going to be the student section that's going to be doing most of the, the, the storming of the field. You know, maybe you have to reconfigure, like, where you put your students. Maybe they have to be on a different side of the field, you know, to make sure that, that uh, the opposing team has access to their locker room and they can get off the field and you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I think, you know, again, it's it's mostly the better teams who are proposing this stuff. And I, I don't see it flying and I don't think that it should fly. You know, I think it's one of the I, I, even though, yes, is there some risk involved? Yes. But it's also one of the funner things about college sports is when you get the fans, the students storming the court, storming the field, whatever it happens to be. So we're two days away from the NFL draft. Michael Mayer, Notre Dame's only chance to be a first-round pick. Cowboys pick at number 26. Now, I'm not making this all about the Cowboys, but do you think Michael Mayer is off the board by pick 26? And then the other side, if he's still on the board, do you think Dallas takes him? So I hope that he's off the board because I think that he's way better than falling to number 26, and a lot of teams could use him. Um, but if he falls to 26, that's a blessing in disguise. And I think that someone like the Cowboys should soak that up immediately. Um, to, to be short, I think his inline blocking goes along with what they're trying to accomplish uh, with an already 
solid, you know, offensive line, run game, et cetera. And then you throw in the fact that it's another option for Dak Prescott with CD Lamb. I think that's great because I think what Dak was missing last year was just another valuable target to go to. Um, and, and that's what, you know, Michael Mayer could give you is just a security blanket on a lot of those short down plays where he can just use his body and strong hands to box out and grab the ball out of the air. Like it's all over the place where people are predicting Michael Mayer's. You've seen like some having him going around 21. I've seen 21 like consistently, like 18 through 21 is like the very common range right now. Yeah. They've got him going to the Chargers. They've got, you know, but others have Kincaid ranked ahead of him. And I think that some of it will depend on where Kincaid ends up going. I definitely think Dallas should grab him if he is still there at 26. I've seen others, you know, having Cincinnati a couple of picks later. I think it's like 28, 29 where Cincinnati is picking. They've got Mayer going there. But I don't think that he's going to be on the board still at 26. I think he's going to be picked before that. Excuse me. There's a lot of smoke screen out there. I think the 15 through 20 range is where he's going to fall. Yeah, I think so as well. (laughs) Mark says 87 doesn't matter. He's going to be a millionaire very soon. That's exactly right. And Jason says he hopes it's the Cowboys or Bengals. Like it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he ended up with the Bengals. That I mean, that would be good for him. It'd be close to home for him, and and it would be good for the Bengals as well. I think he'd have a really good chance to be in the Super Bowl. Pretty soon, if he ends up with Cincinnati, he's not going to have that in Dallas. Fill in the blank. The player who is the biggest X factor in the first round of the draft is blank. The biggest X factor in the first round is Will Anderson. And I'll tell you why. Because depending on where Will Anderson goes or where he is selected or kind of what happens around him, I think is largely predicated about, you know, where he goes. I think if, if, if we see Will Anderson, uh, basically what I'm saying is where Will Anderson is drafted, you'll see either an influx or not of quarterbacks drafted. I think like he's kind of the chess piece that will determine if there's a domino effect um, of, of all the quarterbacks kind of getting soaked up around him. And I think like a team like the Texans, like they should take him with the third overall pick and then maybe get, you know, one of those other quarterbacks, you know, towards the back end with their second pick around number 12 overall. But again, I think that he is going to dictate a lot of what happens with these quarterbacks. So that's why I'm saying he's the X factor in the top 10, because he's going to dictate a lot of things around him. I can see that argument. I'm looking at B. John Robinson because like, there's a lot of people who have fallen in love with B. John Robinson. And, you know, like, is he going to go to the Eagles as high as number 10? Most of the experts don't seem to think that he will, but like I could very easily see the Eagles sitting there and, you know, basically not talking about Bijan Robinson and ended up taking Robinson at number 10. And you combine him with Jalen Hurts and that offense becomes even deadlier. And like, does he go at 10? Does he, does he fall? You know, like how far does he fall? You know, there, cause there's the whole thing about, do you take a running back in the first round? Do you take a running back that high? Would a team, be willing to trade up to try to get him, you know? So, like, I think he's the X factor because of the fact that he's the running back, but also because he does, like, if this was 20 years ago, Bijan Robinson would be talked about as a top five pick easily, but he's not. 
And so that that to me is what makes him the X factor is could he go as high as number 10 to the Eagles? Are some teams going to be possibly even be willing to trade up to get him because of the kind of special talent that he is? He's the only running back, I think, who has a legitimate case to go in the first round. Like, I don't I don't think you even think about Jameer Gibbs down at Alabama. I don't think he's a first round running back. Robinson is it for me. Jess, I think we've uh, made our way through it tonight. Good stuff. It uh, it was a long one. And with the, the Buckner news dropping today, that it is always a good thing to have a hot topic to talk about. Yes, it is. Well, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Hit the like button on your way out. And of course, subscribe, rate, and review. Appreciate all the feedback and input tonight. We will be back manana for another edition of Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Jess, I will talk to you later, and we'll talk to everybody else later as well. Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.